0: Welcome everyone, I'm Dominic, CTO and Co-Founder of Dropsolid and welcome to our podcast, the Open Digital Experience Podcast. We will be talking about content management systems, digital experience platforms, everything you need to build the best customer experience. We will be talking about Drupal, Matic, everything open source to do this and we will be interviewing experts from inside our company and also outside our company. So if you have 30 minutes, you go on a bike ride, go on a a, a drive, Put on our podcast and enjoy and learn everything digital experience. Welcome to the Digital Experience podcast by Drop Solid, where we talk about all things digital, from strategy and technologies
1: like Drupal to automation and from data or DXP ecosystems to success stories. With every episode, we dig a little deeper into the true value, the best practices and the positive effect of frictionless experience. Thanks for tuning
0: in and let's get inspired hello everyone welcome to drop solid podcast today i have Dieter Blomme one of our technical coaches here at drop solid and today we're gonna discuss technical depth so Dieter please enlighten us what is technical depth
1: um To put it very roughly, technical, that is basically everything that is not a perfect solution to what you want to, to the problem you want to solve. Um, Whenever you can solve a problem for a client, you can choose to use contract modules in Drupal, you can use Drupal core, you can create custom code. In a lot of cases, what the client will need um, will be solvable with contract modules, but you won't be giving them the perfect solution that they want for it. They will need to be, you'll need to make some concessions when you create custom code as well sometimes creating the perfect solution to custom code with all the abstraction layers that you can do with creating decorators creating uh separate services that are very very specifically aligned of or delineated can take a lot more time and for example let's say one big service that overrides another service um in those cases you're creating an imperfect solution Uh, to a problem but one that will work and will be okay for the clients will work well because of course you don't want to give the client something bad either Um, and it's a a matter of balancing budget uh, the time you have available and you want to invest in this versus what the clients will actually need in the end whenever you have imperfect solutions you're basically creating technical debt creating something without technical debt is possible but you will need quite a lot of money to do that a huge amount and so that's impossible so every project will have some form of technical debt second thing is as well solutions change or the best solution will change depending on how the framework and language that you use evolves so sometimes technical debt is introduced by itself for example in the beginning of drupal 8 there was no real decent media solution drupal core offered that any project that started before that and didn't use uh Use file entity, for example, or another solution for managing your images and documents is not using media, and that is also a form of technical debt because you're not using the best tools available anymore. Because new ones were introduced that are better. I hope that explains it.
0: That explains it. So it seems to me that technical debt is kind of a natural phenomenon that creeps into into your projects, into your code bases. Um, also. I suppose the perfection does not exist. So how do you keep a balance between making the code too perfect up to a point where it no longer delivers an extra return on an investment for the customer versus keeping it clean enough to uh, to safeguard security and main- maintainability kind of a like your house, okay? You don't clean your house every day for four hours, uh, unless you are uh, obsessed with uh, with cleaning. But uh, normally, that doesn't bring any uh, added value to your life to do that every day. You're going to sweep maybe every day for uh, 15 minutes uh, and 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 do some some cleaning up, and once a week. How does that compare to uh, to cleaning up the code bases and and to keep it? Uh, under control
1: um well you have a little couple of little tricks that you can use to keep track of things uh, to start with um if you know you have a lot of chores around the house for example and you need to i don't know fix a, a, a bathroom sink because the, the the faucet is not working well it's leaking you can create a list of things that you need to do similarly what we try to keep track of in the projects is uh, what is technical debt when we notice it or even when we um consciously introduce it because we make a balance between okay the client has this much budget we can deliver this and this will create a great return on investment and later on we can come back and clean this up if that promise was fulfilled and we inform the client so you keep track of the list of things that you need to do a chore list sort of say of things that that need to be fixed and then you um, you make sure that that chore list does not become too big now there's no hard parameters like okay the maximum time that you've, uh, you have for technical debt fixing should be this much compared to the total investment in the project or something there's no hard lines a lot of this is experience in uh, managing technical projects and kind of feeling in a way when things are not going to be okay when things are going to introduce problems if you don't fix the technical debts or refactor codes um, to to make it a bit better and more robust um, I think that's also one of the things that will um, differentiate senior developers from mid or junior developers. A senior developer will have some sort of like gut feeling on, okay, this is not okay. We do need to fix these and these items because this will give us problems in the long run when maintaining the project or when we introduce new features. Um, the main thing is that chore list, I think. You, you can clean your house every day for four hours. That is one way of doing it. You could also just say, okay, I need to have these things clean. I need to have these things fixed around the house and you create your list and then you distribute the tasks with your team, which is gonna be your family. Okay, your wife, your kids can do these and these things. And then you make sure what your limit is for how clean your house wants to be. Cause that's very dependent on the family, on the house that you live in. In this case, gonna be very dependent on the project and the client and how much they invest in their project as well. Um, and you basically clean it. If you want your house to be as clean as possible every day, then you're going to invest more time. And if you say, okay, if it's tidy and there's nothing lying in the way that I'm going to trip over, that's enough. It's a completely different way of handling things.
0: Yes, that's, that's <laughs> very clear. Maybe we're going off on a, on, a, on a tangent here, but I liked you mentioning uh, the difference between uh, the senior developers and the more junior and mid developers on uh, how to... Manage technical depth. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of junior and media developers will, uh, will will watch this. Um, can you explain to them how can you get better at managing technical
1: depth? The main thing I think is is experience. Try to make sure that you uh, when you're working on a project, also take a look at the full picture, like what is being developed. Which solutions are being taken which alternative to each solutions are they why are the solutions being chosen and make sure that you understand why the choices are being made because choices can be made for a a multitude of reasons it can be budget that influences it heavily if a client really needs something but they don't have a budget to do the perfect solution then you find a middle ground somewhere something that is maintainable and will work for their case and give them a large return on investment sometimes it is Very technical, the reasons, if you are fixing technical debt and need to refactor code, then the reasons will be very technical. Okay, why are these classes or this design pattern chosen? Why do we choose this way of structuring our code? Why do we choose this specific contract module when there's like three others that do a very similar thing? Once you get more of a feeling of why those choices are taken and how, you're going to be able to make those reasonings yourself as well. Uh, it's also very person dependent. Some people are very, very intuitive in choosing the right solutions. A couple of my colleagues are like extremely intuitive. you give them a problem and they're going to say like, "Okay, these are the alternatives, and in my opinion, this is the best solution you can discuss it. Some people need uh, a bit more experience into to be able to 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 do the same reasonings to to follow the same paths. So I think that's that's a uh, the main thing, experience, work on a project, figure it out, do products on your own time as well. If you have like little problems at home that you think, oh, this could be something I can create an automation for. This is something I can create a little script for or whatever. Just do that and maintain that and make sure it keeps working when you have to. Improve the underlying framework or tooling that is below that and see how that goes. That's okay. the main thing.
0: So it's all about experience and awareness you just sometimes as a more senior developer, you just just feel the code is dirty and needs some
1: cleaning. Yeah, it, it it is the case. And it also, um, I don't think any developer will be able to figure out a full code base of a large project on their own. You also need to make sure you have a good team around you. Um, I've had big projects that invest a couple of hundred K per year in their project. And then the developers around me are very, very important in that when they touch the code and they notice something, they need to be vocal enough to say, I I noticed this and create the issue or just mention it to you and say, what do you think? And you don't figure out and improve a code base and figure out all the technical debt on your own as a developer, no matter how senior you are. You need to have a good team around you as well that will help you out. Notice it. The second thing that I forgot to mention at first is indeed, like I said, the communication. It is very important that the people around you and you yourself are vocal about what you find and mention that to other people and create issues for that. And make sure you have that chore list, like we mentioned before, because without that list and you just have to like think, okay, what is the thing that we can fix or how should we do this? If you have a, a big backlog of items, like, okay, this is all technical debt that we could fix, then you can also choose the right moment when you will fix that, depending on long-term planning.
0: So, so as a a senior developer, when
1: do you know when you go too far? In cleaning uh, of technical debt? There's no hard delineators, but if you spend, I think more than 20% of your time, you're in purely fixing technical debt, you're really going overboard. Um. There are some numbers being said about how much technical debt should be there, but it's really hard to measure that and and quantify that, because uh, how big is technical debt, how big is that little piece of technical debt, that can very much depend on the context. If, like I said, you have, again, the case with the Drupal site started before media was introduced, yeah, if the site works well and they don't need to be able to reuse images, then you're going to be fine. But at some point, maybe the client wants to say, I want to reuse images across various places in the site and then it becomes potentially a bigger problem because then you want that media library. If they suddenly want to uh, introduce external videos, if they want to introduce new types like a, a DOM, an external media source, digital asset management system, then um, yeah, then the problem becomes a lot bigger so that the size of your technical debt varies depending on your context. So quantifying that, I would say it's about the amount of time that you spend in it. And um, the second thing is the amount of time that you spent on regular issues being hindered by technical debt. If you have to find workarounds and say, like, okay, if only we had done it like this, then this would be so much easier. Yeah. Then, if your your overhead rises too much, then your, your technical debt is too big, and you really need to start tackling that asap as well. But it's hard to to name hard numbers because it's not really possible to quantify it that much and to put it in numbers uh, that easily. I would say maximum, absolute maximum is 20% in managing technical debt. Also considering technical debt is independent from purely maintenance. Upgrading Drupal core or contract modules in our case, for example, or PHP versions is not necessarily technical debt. That is purely maintenance of the project, at least in my head.
0: All right, that's clear. I think also 20% is uh, already uh, a a lot. Mm. Um, You mentioned Drupal, so let's talk Drupal a little bit. Uh, How's uh, the technical depth of the Drupal project?
1: Um, a lot better and Drupal 8, 9, 10, like, let's call it new Drupal compared to old Drupal because now every, um, couple of years, what basically happens is all deprecated code is removed with uh, major updates and that helps a lot in removing technical debt because you're no longer <clears throat> have to keep all the programming APIs in there just because somebody might be using them every so often all the code that is considered deprecated which is in fact a sort of technical debt is removed and it encourages people to also update well not encourages you're obligated to update your code because you need to use the new programming apis which sometimes are using um new programming paradigms that were not there in Drupal before so Drupal 7 was fully function based with a <clears throat> sort of workaround for namespacing using um the, the first part of the function names as um as a namespace for your module, for example, now you have actual object-oriented code. But not everything works like that yet. Blocks, um, for example, were very early on switched to a plugin-based system um, with automatic discovery. If you put it in the correct namespace and you name your file correctly and extend the correct class and so on, um, a lot of things are still using the hook-based system, which is the function naming convention that was there. But gradually that is a, that is being switched as well, slowly but surely. So you're obligated to change your code to start using that object-oriented code, which is a more modern way of tackling things. If you consider the other framers that are also underlying Drupal, like for example Symfony, um, as uh, yeah, that, that's. Okay. You. Technical debt is is fairly okay and is being managed. Of course, it is still in there, um, and I think it's up to the community the very large community to determine what is big enough technical debt that it should be tackled because if you consider something technical debt and it should be fixed it should be improved on the code it's up to you to actually do it you create a an, an patch an issue and a patch you contribute to drupal core contract module and you get it fixed that's just the way things work
0: okay so it's kind of uh, the chore list you were talking about and then yeah. And then there's a, a periodic system in Drupal, the way it releases, goes to the next major versions versions where all the code, the deprecate code is being stripped out. So there's, there's actually a, a, a good, like the, the big uh, spring
1: cleanup uh, is built yeah. into <laughs> the, the, the Drupal project, right? Yeah, that's, that's actually a very good comparison every couple of years, which also is influenced by the underlying libraries like symphony, but every so often a new major version is released and that's the big spring cleaning. You throw out everything you don't need anymore. Um, and just keep the code base smaller and leaner than if you have to keep everything in like in the past. So are there any
0: tools in the the Drupal universe that help us manage technical depths, like are are there any modules or or is there tooling in in the the code editors that help you identify and, and, and manage documents? I don't know, like anything that can help you manage this.
1: Not necessarily as far as I'm aware. I mean, the the, the main things, if you consider deprecated code technical debt is the automatic code analyzers like PHPStan, which um, I think it was Matt Glaman also that has a layer on top with Rector that will analyze the code and say, okay, you need to basically change your code and replace these function calls with these other function calls to keep your code up to date, or these are things that are not okay that will fix things uh, or at least indicate the problems. Drupal also has a tool uh, with, with Rector, a tool that will automatically fix a lot of these things. Whenever it's possible, it will just automatically change your old deprecated method call uh, with a new uh, and improved version of it and is no longer deprecated. But that's purely about that deprecated code. When it comes to actual technical debt, that is not something that is that easily measurable with automatic tools. So as far as i'm aware no there's no technical debt management tools that will say okay this is bad and you should improve on this and this is bad uh, you should improve on this i don't think that really is possible to make there are other tools for scanning code bases that will um indicate potential technical debt or potential bad code like in php i have mess detector for example that will say okay i have a method here that's 200 lines long that's way too long so you should refactor this and split this up You have um, static methods, you have L's expressions, like there's a whole bunch of scans that are activated by default that will indicate potential bad code. You have also another tool called copy-paste detector that will say, okay, you have these two sections that are extremely similar. They're probably like copy-pasted. Maybe you want to abstract this away somewhere in a helper method with some arguments and not have this duplicate code that you will need to change twice if something changes. So there are tools like that, but that is like very detail oriented and very low level in, in what it manages. The higher level dep- deprecated code, as in you're using an outdated module, there's no real automation for that. I think that's where you have to manually keep track of your chore list of your uh, list of items that you want to fix. And then based on uh, priorities within the projects, uh, sometimes together with the client determine, okay, these are the next things to tackle. This is what we should do to keep the code base um, well maintained
0: okay so yeah it seems to me that that these are already some tools that can uh, that can help you and uh, maybe on, on on the higher level uh when you're using outdated modules you can probably build that into your uh, CI pipeline i
1: suppose to to automatically detect that i don't know you you can but again it depends on the context if something is an actual problem um so you could build it into your pipeline and say okay these are potential uh, problems in your code base, but how much priority actually given is it an error? Is it a warning level, for example, it really depends on your context. So that is kind of harder to determine. Um, and to give an example, one of the projects that, that we work on was started when Drupal 8 was still in beta. And uh, it uses workbench moderation to have a flow in there uh, to allow uh, editors to create new draft pages, a new draft versions of their page, and then put them ready for publishing, somebody else can check and then publish them. And that works well. There's no real issue with that. But in the meantime, there has been uh, content moderation released in Drupal core. Content moderation, when something is in Drupal core, you know it's going to be maintained well, it's going to get improvements and there will be a full ecosystem built on top of that with additional content modules purely based around that core module of content moderation. So Workbench moderation has been in our list to fix for quite a while. We started looking at it, um, and it is on the to-do list to actually fix this here because the client is requesting, okay, ah, we want to actually be able to see the status of the latest version of the page. Is this a draft? Is it ready for publishing? Is it a published version? Just purely on that edit page, and at the moment, that's too hidden away, and there are solutions for that, but not for workbench moderation um as far as it could tell. So then you want to make that switch so while last year the problem was okay we maybe want to fix that but it's like a bit more low term it's a low issue it has risen up from low to almost a high issue to fix it this year so we can enhance the functionality of the site with the request of the client because it will make the workflow a little bit smoother and gain them i don't know a couple of seconds to half a minute on every page edit for example so then the return investment becomes bigger so again if you have a ci pipeline and you say, okay, these are the problems. They're not necessarily the same, depending mm-hmm. on the time and the context of the clients. And that's the tricky thing with the technical depth. Uh, the, the low level items, you should always try to keep it clean. Like you have Mesotector and Copy-Paste-Detector, you have even more basic just code sniffer. Drupal has its own coding standards. Yeah, you should have that on every project. Your code should have the same coding standards for all the files. So it's easy to identify your pieces of code and it's consistent. And you have Mes detector and copy paste detector and some other toolings as well that you can unleash on that to keep your code base lean, but that's very low level. That's just purely your code itself. That is not the functionality that is being implemented with it. And that is more where the technical debt level will lie in, uh, in most cases.
0: Okay, clear. Now, final question. What are the dangers of not managing technical debt?
1: There's quite a few of them um, I think the biggest one for the development team is maintainability the in a lot of cases the more technical depth you have um, the more uh, time you will spend on implementing new features and also in maintaining uh, the code um, another example from a client is where there was like several evolutions of a complicated set of forms and in the end because there were several evolutions and several types have to be able to live next to each other there were four layers of code, a base class and then dependent class, another dependent class, another dependent class. And that was never refactored along the way because it's quite a large section of code, a couple of tens of thousands of lines altogether. And we decided while implementing it, we shouldn't touch the old code. We should keep off it as much as possible and just enhance on it to create a new version. And then you can choose which one will live there based on these parameters. And that's the way that we work that out. When that was done, we told them, okay, like this is basically has tens of thousands of lines of code that are no longer being used, but they're still in there. And we didn't touch them because you were still converting everything to use the new system. But now that you converted everything, we need to get that code out because that's tens of lines of tens of thousands of lines of code that are no longer necessary. And your maintainability, like if we need to make changes there, we need to change there and there and there and there. And that's just not maintainable. So we talked with them and we convinced them of the fact that, okay, if we don't do this, your cost will be very big in the long run. If we refactor this, we need like this amount of time to be able to do this and we'll do it in phases. So we've only done one phase of the refactoring so far, but that deleted tens of thousands of lines of code and took a lot of unnecessary stuff out. So I think maintainability is one big thing that you really need to pay attention to how much time will it cost me if we keep this in or how much time will it cost me to take this technical debt out and compare those two and then present that to your client and show it and discuss it within the team to find a solution a second thing as well could be security if you have technical debt in there in some cases you can introduce security issues if you don't use the latest version of some security aspects because the uh, yeah you didn't update the code and refactor it in the right time then you can introduce security problems so that's an important thing uh, to take into account as well and then you have maintainability and security and then those two touch of course mainly the maintainability part your cost the cost of maintaining it the cost of implementing new features i put that a bit under maintainability but it's, it's something that is way easier to use when you're talking with your clients because then it's about money and numbers And then you can quantify it a little bit better in, okay, we have a new feature you want. If we do it like this with the current code, it will cost you this much. If we refactor and do it, it will cost you this much, but the difference is this much, and we will gain that difference back in that amount of time because yeah, otherwise we will lose it on maintaining that feature. Mm -hmm. So cost is a, is a, is a very big one. It also can determine to not refactor something or to not fix technical debt, very knowingly, because the cost of refactoring something can be bigger than the return on investment it will give you.
0: Yes, I, I the, Yeah, Cust, customers, especially when they are non-technical, they have really difficult time to gauge when Uh, Technical debt is really something that needs to be managed and where they they need to invest in because it limits their um, evolution power. Of course, it's also the job of uh, the the technical partner of the customer uh, to explain that to to them and to look into their business case to see, okay, now you really need this feature is going to bring you so much uh, return on investment we need to uh, we need to clean this up uh, on the other hand thinking about something else now as well um like in the evolution isn't isn't it then best to keep as close to the community edition of drupal as possible not going off any any sidetracks which might become have a high chance of becoming uh unmaintainable
1: and and very roughly said Yes, but there's also quite a lot of nuance there. Like you, you have the story of buy versus build. And I think in general the consensus is in most cases you buy before you build, depending on the cost of the buy, because when you buy something, you have the maintenance that other people will do for you as well. It's similar in um, when you develop something for any open source on top of any open source project. You try to use Drupal core before you use Contrib, you use Contrib before you use custom code. That is how it should work. It again very much depends on the requirements of the functionality you need to implement and of your client. And they have very, very specific requirements and the contract modules just do not adhere and they cannot deviate from requirements, then you need to build something custom. But in general, the closer you are to a well-maintained, uh, to Drupal to core, or if that's not possible, a well-maintained contract module, the easier your life will be in maintenance. Uh, if you look at like large used modules, I think it was on, um, Talking Drupal podcast uh, two weeks ago the path auto module for example it is a module used by I think pretty much any Drupal site that will automatically generate your paths uh, for you for example I have a news node it will generate news slash and then the title uh, with some uh, alterations in there that is a well maintained um, module that offers a lot of options if you have which I cannot even imagine but if you have a very special case where that module does not adhere to, it's worthwhile to check, like, okay, can we change the requirements a bit? Because that module is very well maintained. I don't have never noticed anything breaking when using that module and updates and so on. And there's a lot of modules like that in the community. If you use those, your life will be just a lot easier when you work with things, when you, when you work on a Drupal site. Also for maintenance, custom code that needs uh, to fix deprecated code is work for you for that specific client. Work for a contract module is something that other people will fix for some modules, and you for some other modules, and you help each other with the community out, reducing the investment time you need to do to keep code up to date. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I also hear that. Uh, that's the 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 the. For example, the sales pitch of of many modern sales-based CMSs is like, "Look, customer, technical debt? No problem. We manage all the technical debt for all our customers uh, in one go. You will never be bothered with technical debt. You just pay our subscription." In Drupal, that's not the case. Uh, you have you need a managed service to uh, to keep your Drupal up to date, security, to maintain the the technical debt. Um, how 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 do you defend Drupal against uh, against this 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 sales pitch? Um,
1: well, in some cases, the SaaS solution is the best solution for some clients. If you're um, let's say the local bakery and you decide to inform people of your opening hours and maybe what you offer, then I think something like I don't know Squarespace, Wix, whatever will work well because you just need to be able to put some standard information on the site. When you become bigger, you need more customization in how things work. Um, And that's when you notice the limitation in the functionality that sales-based solutions will often have. You cannot customize them. Um, If you need an integration with an external system, let's take for example, you have uh, a system that um, is used to keep track of all the job postings and the candidates and stuff like that and you want know, to be able to post those job job uh, postings on your own site if you use a saas based solution it's basically copying over work uh, copying over content and then creating manual links to the correct things every time a new job is posted but if you have a company of a couple of thousands of people yeah that is a lot of manual work if you make the investment of integrating for example like very customizable. It's very good with integrating with external tools. You uh, create a module that will check the API of that system and will uh, import all the different jobs and create nodes automatically, and will publish them on the site. And then, if there's a form that you associate, automatically sends through the job applications to that external system as well. Yeah, then you could save your HR department so much time in having to manually type over content. And that's when you're in, in situations like that, that's when you notice that those SaaS systems will not work well enough anymore. Like if you look similarly for even open source for um Commerce solutions, if you need a very small web show because I don't know, you're you're making your own candles, scented candles, and you want to sell them, then I think something like WordPress with WooCommerce, for example, could be a good solution because you just need to be able to offer some products and then maybe you want people to have to be able to pay online with Molly, and then that will work. But if you need a more complex shop and you need people to subscribe to events, and you need to open up contents based on the subscriptions, or you need people to create a subscription on your site, then those simple solutions, SaaS-based, or even some open source, will no longer be enough. And that's mm-hmm. when the power of Drupal, with the possibility to integrate so well, with other systems and everything that it has like config management and uh, basically the support for deploy flows and so on in there um, will help you out a lot more. So I think it's about how big does your project become in the long run? Where do you want to grow towards? And what do you want your project to be able to do in the long run? Like, Do you want to do integrations? Do you want to do a very big content sites? Do you want a decoupled application type experience and stuff like that? if you look at all those different scenarios and there's a lot more um but this is not about what all drupal can do but if you want a lot of those things then you need something like drupal then you need a a a cms that you can customize and i also again that's where drupal shines because okay you need to do the maintainability you need to maintenance yourself but it is a white box you can see inside you can fix issues you can do that yourself you can do that by a development team in-house you can uh, hire a dedicated partner that will do that for you um and you can just work with it
0: okay okay so you're talking about the more uh, a cms's uh website builders uh, on the low end of the market what what about let me play the sales guys of the sales guy of the competition for uh for a second what about the more uh smaller and mid-sized enterprise uh, cms's like the uh, story block or um Cantico uh, Content AI, it's called right now, where they deliver uh, an out-of-the-box uh, headless uh, experience, which you can customize with a lot of integrations out out of the box. Uh, how does uh, with no management of any technical depth because it's all uh, in the subscription? How how does uh, how does Drupal still compare to uh, to these ones? How how do you rationalize, still taking them, the managing technical depth um, hit you take from having Drupal and a lot of custom code against uh, those
1: systems? I think one big question to ask is, how can you move away from your current vendor if you take one of those systems and what are your options? If you look at what Drupal can do, you can hire a developer yourself and have him manage the full system because it's fully open source. want to change anything in the system you can fully do that because it's open source you can see what happens and why it happens and change the behavior of the site itself if you look at pretty much a lot of other competitions a lot of other systems they will offer sometimes not always sometimes a better experience out of the box but there is limitations to what you can change because you you're li- you have a very small window in which you can change things. There's other competitions as well, like I think Sitecore. I'm not sure how big they are at the moment, but they're also an enterprise-grade CMS, but it's a black box. If something is a bug and it goes wrong, you need to report it to the central uh, team that will manage that and hope that they will fix it in a time frame that works for you. But with Truecall, you don't need to wait. There's a community. You can do it yourself. You can create a patch or somebody else will have done it. You can patch the system and the bug is fixed. So I think that's that's one of the major selling points, the open source character and the very big community that Drupal has, allowing you to basically fix or change anything that you want.
0: So you have this flexibility and the community that evolves at uh, the speed of the web and, and you're not not locked in, you're not going to be charged by the user or by the by the, the piece of pieces of content you have in, in your CMS, it's, your, uh, your, you're, uh, you're the owner of your, uh, your content and, uh, in yep. your codes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can take everything out. This is also something that we do for clients, the database, the code, everything It is property of basically the people that the client that requested this, it is, uh, not like we can revoke a license and then you don't have a site anymore. That is just not the only thing you need to be able to keep your Drupal site online is decent hosting then, and put it online. Of course, you still need to maintain the code and stuff like that, but you don't lose access. You cannot lose access. You cannot um, get your access revoked uh, or something like that. I think that's, that's very major. So definitely worth
0: the the hit of the technical depth if it's if it's well managed. Okay, Dieter, thank you because I see that we have gone over a little bit uh, <laughs> of our initial uh, aim. But um, great talking to you. I think we co- we we covered uh, a wide range of uh, subjects where uh, technical depth is uh, it's touch- is touching them. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you everyone for uh, for listening. And I hope to see you next time. Bye. Bye.